It's still boobs. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But they're consensual boobs. Exactly. Consensual I'm here boobs for consensual are boobs. consensual boobs are the best boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get a t-shirt with that on it, please? Welcome to Electric Enthusiasm, the podcast where we celebrate unironic enthusiasm. I'm a fully articulated, limited-run collector's edition fashion doll, Katie Copeland. <laughs> and I am Alexander Kjolf, an aficionado of all things bacon. Okay, nice. <laughs> It is super simple. In every episode, one of us has prepared a topic that they're enthusiastic about and will do their best to spread that enthusiasm to the other host and to you, the listeners. Sometimes we'll have a guest on who is really excited about something that we know nearly nothing about and we can get excited about that. We also have a moment of meta where we get enthusiastic about enthusiasm itself and talk a little bit about why enthusiasm matters and how to live a more enthusiastic life. And we want to hear about your enthusiasms. Visit our website, electricenthusiasm.com or our Instagram, at electricenthusiasm, and tell us what you're excited about these days. Or you could even play an old, send us an email at hello at electricenthusiasm.com. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Yes, me too. This is something that I've loved for decades and something that I've turned a lot of people onto. I'm hoping I can spread that excitement to you. Our episode topic today is Modesty Blaze. And Katie, I previously checked with you if you were already an expert on Modesty Blaze. And I think you told me that essentially, you know, zilch. Is that about right? I had never heard the name before. Mm -hmm. I made the mistake of telling my mother about two minutes ago, uh -huh. the episode podcast is going to be about Modesty Blaze today. And she got uh -huh. really excited. She no way. loves Modesty Blaze. She saw her in real life. And yeah. then she tried to keep talking. And I said, no spoilers. I'm <laughs> I know nothing. The whole point of this podcast <laughs> is that I know nothing. Don't tell me anything. I rushed out of the room before I could learn anything else. So right. I know that it is a woman. Yep. And I know that my mother has seen her live, which means I think she's a performer of some description. You may have misread your mom a little bit. Ah! So, yeah, but Modesty Blaze is indeed a woman, but she is a fictional woman. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so so either, either your mom is on some really good drugs or she meant that she's seen her in a movie because there were movies. Uh, so, ah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but I'm sad because I saw you had a multiple choice options and I was Yes, and I was going to do that and then your mom, your mom ruined everything, I'm so Katie. Sorry. I shouldn't <laughs> you know, have told mom, her anything. <laughs> your mom should be sorry. Do you want to hear the multiple choice yes. options? Yes, yes, I do. So my, my questions were going to be, knowing nothing, do you think that Modesty Blaze is A, a British comic book heroine from the 60s, B, a terrible sci-fi movie from the 70s, or C, a Swedish punk band from the 80s? Yeah. I think I would have gone with the Swedish punk band. I think that was like... Modesty Blaze, like that could be a Swedish punk band. I could see that. I'd like an all-female Swedish... Yes punk band right yes yes and I, they I, dress very unmodestly is my, yes yes yeah. somebody should start that punk band <laughs> First. So, 
Facts first. Modesty Blaze is a fictional character created by the British writer Peter O'Donnell. She first appeared in a comic strip in British newspapers starting in 1963. And uh, the comic strip became super popular and was syndicated all over the world. It ran in the Detroit Free Press, for instance, in the Bombay Samachar, the Telegraph, not the British Telegraph, but the Telegraph of Calcutta, India. Uh, It ran in the Star in Malaysia and in the West Australian in Perth. Uh, It ran all over the world. So my Um, mother probably would have seen it in the Star in Malaysia because my mother grew up in Malaysia. That's entirely possible. So maybe that's where she saw it. Yeah. Go away. Go away. (laughs) That's my mother. She said she saw the movie. Hi. Spoilers. Yes. Spoilers. Go away. So from 1965 on, O'Donnell also wrote novels, 13 in all, with Modesty Blaze as the main character. The comic strips are great, but I absolutely prefer the novels. They are freaking amazing. Here's the story. Modesty is a sophisticated woman of the world. Uh, She's around 30 years old, and she has a shady past. Uh, She used to run a criminal network based in Tangiers. They ran casinos, they did robberies, uh, break-ins, that kind of thing. Never prostitution, never drugs. She's violently against that. Her criminals actually fought against other gangs who uh, did trafficking or prostitution or drugs or that kind of thing. So you're Um, saying she she was a bad guy, but not a bad guy. She was a good bad guy. (laughs) Exactly. Bad guy, not a bad person. Exactly. (laughs) She retired from that life in her late 20s, and she is crucially not white. And this is incredibly rare for the time where every single comic strip in these newspapers had white main characters. We don't know what her heritage is. She's an orphan. Her parents were killed in a refugee camp. She is described as Eurasian. Um, Like you, Katie. There you go. Uh, I, I thought you might relate to that. Do relate to that. I like her already. There you go. I'm, I'm not a war orphan with a shady past. I'm a very nice <laughs> childhood. She spends her childhood as a migrant around the Middle East. How incredibly relevant for these days, right? Yeah. She joins the network, this criminal organization in Tangiers. She ends up running it. Then in her late 20s, she retires wealthy to London, gets herself a penthouse apartment overlooking Hyde Park. And now she lives a life of luxury in London. Her sidekick is a cockney Englishman called Willie Garvin. She finds him while she runs the network, and she builds him up from a self-hating lowlife to basically her lieutenant in the organization. He becomes this smart, sophisticated, cosmopolitan man. Modesty and Willie uh, have all kinds of adventures. They're both amazing at armed and unarmed combat. She's great with a handgun. He's great with a rifle. Her signature weapon it's a Congo, which is this little wooden rod that you hold in your hand, and the ends protrude from both sides, and you can use that to strike at nerve centers. So she's great at that kind of thing. Ooh. It's so cool. <laughs> uh, she calls it a Congo. It's also called a Yawara. This is just a real thing. Willie has many talents, but his super skill is throwing things. He's great at like throwing knives, throwing clubs, throwing whatever. In the very first story, she's living her life of luxury in London. And then she's approached by Sir Gerald Tarrant of the British Secret Service. He needs an agent to go on a mission that none of his agents can do. And he's rightly guessed that she is just super bored with her non-criminal lifestyle. So he approaches her 
and and she agrees to go on this mission for him, and not because you know she believes in British Secret Service, but because it's a good mission where she can make a difference and repay a debt. I love that trope of the retired old secret spy or war veteran or shady past criminal who's pulled out of retirement for one last heist. Like, I love that trope. That is such an excellent trope, and I'm here for it. Yes, it uses that trope, but it also subverts it because there's none of that weariness. It's not like she got sick of that life. She enjoys this a lot, and and that's partly why she does it. Yeah. Yeah. All of the following stories have her and Willie go on a caper. That's what they call it, a, a heist of some kind, often for Tarrant. But also they just sometimes just stumble into these things or they do it to help a friend or a former business partner. And the stories are amazing. They're so cool. And in most of them, one of them or both of them will end up in a situation that just seems impossible to escape from. You know, there is a character that has a lot of similarities, goes on these missions for British Secret Service, has a, a superior sort of, who, who am I thinking of here? The name is Bond. The James name is Bond. Exactly. Very good, Katie. And there are some similarities. They both work for British intelligence. They both came from novels by British writers. They both used high-tech devices for the time. And they both end up in seemingly inescapable death traps regularly. But there are also huge differences. And in my opinion, modesty is much cooler and much more interesting than James Bond. Question. When did James Bond first get published? When was the James Bond series around? Is it the same kind of time? Same kind of time. Ah, Same kind of, Ian Fleming wrote the first novels in the 60s. Okay. So that, I think that, again, that's why there are so many similarities. Yeah. But in my opinion, Peter O'Donnell was, was a much better writer. So Modesty, much, much cooler character than, than James Bond, but sadly, nearly unknown these days. Mm-hmm. Katie. Yes. How many times have you watched Pulp Fiction? Once. Once. I think I've seen it once. What is wrong with you? I've watched Pulp Fiction more than once. Probably (laughs) more than 20 times. It's it's one of my favorite movies. You may not remember this if you've only seen it once, but there's that scene where Butch, that's Bruce Willis's character, goes into his own apartment to pick up his dad's wristwatch. The one that his dad's friend hit up his ass for five years. Oh, yeah. Christopher Walken's character. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he needs that wristwatch. And of course, the train killers are after him. And John Travolta's uh, character, Vincent Vega, is actually in the apartment. He's on the toilet reading a book, right? And he's that reading book, the Modesty Blaze book. He's reading the first Modesty Blaze novel. Cool. Yes. So there may not be a lot of fans of Modesty Blaze, but your mom and Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> the similarities between my mom and Quentin Tarantino just seem to be endless. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So there are a million reasons why Modesty Blaze is amazing, but I want to mention four of them. And the first one is that Modesty is the leader and Willie Garvin is very much the follower. And that is incredibly rare for comic strips at the time. They either have a single male hero who's always in charge, or if there is a male-female pair, the dynamic is completely different. There is a quote Uh, that illustrates their relationship. And I think you should read it. If you could read it in a British accent, I think that would make it so much better. (laughs) I will attempt. 
Modesty, by some strange magic, had stripped away the veneer and liberated Willie Garvin from the gnawing demons who rode on his back. For this liberation, the new Willie Garvin had made himself not her slave, for she would not allow that, but her eternal faithful follower. And though she had raised him up to become her right arm, he still sat at her feet. And there was no loss of masculinity in this. Willie Garvin was wholly convinced that sitting at Modesty's feet set him head and shoulders above any man alive, even those few who had known the gifts of a splendid body. Ooh, saucy. <laughs> Sorry. What do, you th- what do you think? I love this. I, okay, the writing. Excellent. I love that the combination of being her right arm sitting at his feet. This idea of not losing your masculinity. We, we are here for this. This idea that a man can be following a woman and there is no loss of his masculinity in this. I like this. This is some beautiful, non-fragile male ego. This is a strong male ego and I'm here for it. Yes, and that permeates all of the stories. The closest parallel in comic strips at the time I can find is called The Seekers, which was also British, also ran in the newspapers, also started in the 60s, where again, the two main characters are a man and a woman. Uh, They're called Jacob Benedict and Suzanne Dove. The dynamic between those two is very much that he's the impetuous one making things happen, the courageous one, the brave one, she's the sensible one, mm-hmm. and she's secretly in love with him. Ugh, gross. Yeah. Is I, there a romantic ugh. relationship between Willie? Like, from this, I'm assuming no. Very much no. Yes! And yes! And, it, and, and not, even, not even no, there's not even a hint of it. It's just not a part of any of the stories. They actually address it directly. And and they say that they have such a, a deep relationship that romance or sex would only ruin that. I love that. Like, yes. I think my number one pet peeve when I'm engaging in any media form is when they have a shoehorned romance. The worst case scenario, there was, there was a zombie book where like the mushrooms like, caused zombies. It was a very good book. But halfway through, all of a sudden, the female protagonist and the closest man to her have sex. And I'm just like... Why is this happening? This has no relevance to the plot whatsoever. It furthers nothing. And her character would not sleep with him. Why are they having sex? Please, please no. I just, yeah. And so that makes me really happy. The fact that they have a really close personal bond. This makes me happy. Second thing, the 1960s aesthetic. And this is not like a cheesy 1960s. This is the high society 1960s. So fantastic cars, fantastic fashion fantastic hair and makeup, this world they live in where traveling by plane from somewhere to somewhere else still takes a lot of time. Uh, they have 60s high-tech, like a shortwave radio that they use to communicate wherever they are in the world. It is it is so cool, and I just love that whole aesthetic. Third, the stories. I mean, none of this would be anything if the stories sucked, but the stories are amazing. Uh, they are genuinely exciting and and the way they end up in these you know situations that seem impossible to escape from alive and and yet they do uh, it works so well and it's so creative and new in every single one of the the stories what i appreciate about the stories is that the reason they make it through is yes they're good at combat i mean she's good with a gun he's great with a rifle yada yada that's fine but it's also because they have friends and, and contacts all over the world that they can rely on, that they can trust, who will help them whatever the cost. It's their skills and knowledge, uh, some of them very obscure, so they speak a ton of languages. 
They know a, a ton of stuff. They can fly a plane. They can fly a glider plane. They can sail a boat. They have all of these skills that they picked up because they lead really interesting lives where they're always learning new things. And then most of all, the reason why they make it through is their relationship. This, this way they just have of understanding each other, supporting each other, using each other's skills, uh, making each other better, that works so well. And again, underlines their deep, deep relationship. I can't think of any other couple in, in any other story that has that level of working well together. I like this. You're doing a great job of selling this, by the way. You're doing, I'm like, okay, I'm here for the relationship. I'm here for the excitement. I'm here for the drama. Like you're, you're, you're very good at this, Alex. Excellent. Like this so good. So good. Now, of course I can't go through any of the stories and tell them because that would kind of suck, but I want to mention one of them. This actually is a short story. And I mentioned this one because these stories are not only exciting, they're often hilarious. And in, in this story, they've been sent to East Berlin to extract a super important scientist for Gerald Tarrant. And he's very reluctant to go. They make up this plan where he's supposed to hide in the boot of a car and he refuses. So how do you get a reluctant Japanese scientist across the border into West Berlin? Here's what they do. They travel to East Berlin in secret identities as Swedish antique collectors. Yeah. And as part of their cover, they find this barn with a lot of stuff left over from a traveling circus. And in that, they also find a cannon from a human cannonball act. <laughs> so Please they, they, tell me they put the Japanese man inside the cannon. Please. Yes, that is yes. exactly what they do. <laughs> they load it on a truck. They sedate the guy. They wrap him up tightly. They load him in the cannon. They've communicated with Terrence. So on the other side, they make a fake movie production. They put up a net to catch him and they shoot him across the Berlin wall and he lands in the net on the other side. I thought yes. they were just going to smuggle the cannon across the border. I didn't think they were going to shoot the dude. That even, seems so extreme. Even better, even better. And, and Willie is super proud of himself because he came up with that idea. Then the, the Japanese scientist gets taken in for debriefing. And it turns out he's not that Japanese scientist. He was actually a spy all along. His mission was actually to expose the network of spies in, in East Berlin. Yeah. And, and Willie goes into this sulk where he's like, he's like, like personally peeved, offended, because now his beautiful caper was just ruined. That's why the story is called The Giggle Wrecker. And everyone around him is like, well, the mission still worked. And, and he's, no, no, it's not the same. I can't explain it. <laughs> and I think that's that's just hilarious. I love that. That's so and good. So, and all of the stories have that. They all have those moments of 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 just real, you know, mirth and fun. Yeah. Uh, because that's how they live their life. So yeah, uh, the stories are amazing. I love it. Finally, one more reason: these stories are sex positive. Yay! Yay! Yay, indeed. So, for instance, uh, there are occasional nude scenes or scenes where modesty is topless in the comic strips. That may have something to do with, with why I like them as a teenager. I, I, I can't, I can't <laughs> deny or confirm that. And that was actually fairly common back then. There were strips where that was the whole point. You had a female lead and then she would, you know, lose her clothes. I mentioned the comic strip called The Seekers with Jacob and Suzanne uh, as the leads. She would occasionally 
be topless or naked. But crucially, in those other comic strips, it's always involuntary. Mm, yeah. uh, the woman is surprised while undressing or her clothes are torn off accidentally. And she is not okay with that. She's trying to hide, you know, her body. Modesty and Willie, they don't care. You know, being naked, they're fine with that. When they've had a combat training session, they'll shower together nude. And it's just what they do. Yeah. So for her, it's something she does voluntarily and not something that's yeah. done against her will. So that makes it a lot less exploitative. It's still boobs. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I still but like this, but... They're consensual boobs. Exactly. Consensual I'm here boobs for consensual are, boobs. Consensual boobs are the best boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get a t-shirt with that on it, please? Yes. There's a, a trick they do several times in the comic strips and in the books called the nailer. If there's a room of bad guys they need to beat up, she will actually go in topless. And that'll give them like a like a five second, whoa, yeah. where Willie can either sneak in behind them and start knocking some of them out and she can take the rest of the guys. And, and she's completely fine with that. It's a trick she does. That is like a very second wave feminism. Yeah, right? Yeah, like using your sexuality, using your body. Like if you are going to objectify me, that's fine. I will take that and make that something I can use in my empowerment to take you down. That's yes. That's for this. That's very on brand for like 1960s feminism. Yes, very. Cool. Yes. Also, there is actual sex, and this is where I want to contrast Modest Blaze with James Bond. Sex in James Bond. How would you How would you describe that? Rape. Yeah, kind of right. <laughs> Like a lot of the times the woman is unwilling, she is not giving active informed consent and it feels more like a power play and more like dominance than it feels like a consensual activity between two excited adults. Right. And do you ever get the sense that, that James Bond actually enjoys it? I don't think anyone enjoys it, but I'm biased against it. Like whenever I watch a James Bond movie, they have those kind of scenes. I'm like, oh, this sucks. Everything's, everything about this sucks. Yeah, right. Whenever he has sex, it's for a purpose, right? It's yeah. it's to seduce this woman because that way he can get to this goal. He might enjoy it as a conquest, but not as an act in itself. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's and either way, either way, it sucks, right? Yeah. Another crucial difference: every single lover James Bond ever has is beautiful. They're and all. And they also die pretty soon after he has sex with them. A lot of them do. It's not a risk-free activity. No, a lot of them, you know. <laughs> Goldfinger, the, the one who ends up encased in gold, right? Yeah. Yeah. In contrast, Modesty and Willie both have several lovers, partners at the same time. They're, they're non-exclusive and they're very open about it. All of their lovers know that, you know, I, I'm willing to spend this time with you, but we're not going to be permanent. And they all have to be fine with that or it won't happen. Modesty's lovers are not just rich, good-looking playboys. They are all kinds of men. Mostly they have to be interesting and genuine and 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 nice. There is Steve Collier, who's this nerdy American statistician of all things. There's Giles Pennyfeather, who's this super awkward, bumbling, skinny British doctor, right? Um, Giles Pennyweather. Uh, a penny feather. Oh God, it's worse. Giles <laughs> Pennyfeather. Yes. Goodness. Darling, there is not a more British name on this goddamn planet. No. Willie's lovers are fun women. I think that's what he goes for. Just women who are fun. They don't need to be smart. They don't need to be sophisticated. They need to be fun. And, And crucially, crucially, they have fun with their partners. 
and that's part of what's missing from from James Bond's mm-hmm. conquest is the, the the element that this is actually fun, right? Yeah. So. This idea that that sex is fun, that sex is something you know nice, is really rare, even in more modern media. Did you ever watch Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero? Why did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, okay. In my defense, when I was a kid, Danish television had two channels, so you watched whatever was on one of them. Okay, and I actually liked Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero back then. Don't judge me. Um, yeah, you're right. You're right. Rule number one, don't yuck someone else's yum. You're right. You never watched it? No, never. I have no idea what it's about. Okay. It's these teenagers in high school in Beverly Hills, zip code 90210, okay? And at one point in one of the episodes, uh, Brenda has sex for the first time with Dylan, her longtime boyfriend, and nothing bad happens. They enjoy it, and that's it. Scandal. Right. So what happened was that the advertisers went to the writers and say, you need to make her pay for this. And they wrote in a pregnancy scare. That was never part of the plan, but bad consequences had to occur now that she'd had sex. Listeners of the podcast who could not see me, I just did the biggest eye roll (laughs) physically possible. This is like in Buffy, how after her and Angel finally have sex, like he becomes a fucking evil vampire again. Because, you know, young women aren't allowed to have enjoyable sex. That's not allowed. No, exactly. And actually, I think the trope goes beyond that. This is something I've noticed, and I've, I've, I've tried to research if this is like a, a famous trope that other people have identified. I can't find anything on it. Uh, so if it is a thing, I want it named after me, the Alexander. Um, I don't know if you want that named after you, mate. <laughs> no, 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 no the, the, trope, <laughs> the trope is wider. So, so here's yeah. what I've noticed. In a lot of media, and specifically American movies and TV shows, whenever someone enjoys anything, that must lead to bad consequences. Yeah. You see uh, two people driving along in a car, listening to music, singing along, having a good time, their car will hit another car. Yeah. Uh, you see somebody leaving their home to go do something fun. Meanwhile, their home burns down. It's not that it happens every time, but it happens shockingly often. Yeah, I think it's like the idea of lulling your audience into a false sense of security, and then it makes the bad thing feel worse as, yes. a, as a writer. I think that's why they do it. But I also think there is an underlying puritanical element. Whenever you enjoy something, God is watching and he will punish you. That was another eye roll for those who couldn't yeah. see it. Because <laughs> heaven forbid someone enjoys themselves. How very <laughs> dare we. Yes. So in the Modesty Blaze stories, there is none of that. They enjoy the hell out of their lives. They go do a lot of things just because they're fun. And a lot of the time, that is why they survive. That is why they make it out of a, of a sticky wicket. Because they had picked up this skill. Because they had made that friend. Sorry, <laughs> I'm, I am listening. I'm just stuck on sticky wicket. Isn't that a, like a British, uh, British expression? Very British. That, there you go. Fantastic. I thought it would be appropriate. Very appropriate. Um, just one final comment on the whole sex thing. All of their sex is consent based. Willie is a big guy, very muscular. He's very tender, very protective of his girlfriends. Very, very focused on making sure that there is consent, that this is what they actually want. And there are some cases where uh, a woman who's been traumatized throws herself at him and he's like, no, we can't not, no, let's not. Mm -hmm. Um, because, because consent is a thing for both of them 
And also in the cases where some of Modesty's lovers get jealous and want exclusive status, she's, we can't do that. Then we just can't be together. You have to consent to this yeah. way of being together. I think that's, that's phenomenal, uh, completely different from James Bond. Yeah. Um, and again, revolutionary for the time. Yeah. And also modeling a consensual, ethical, non-monogamous relationship is not something we see a lot in media full stop, like 60s or today. Like that style of relationship where every member of the of the situation ship is informed about what they're actually getting involved into and then actively consenting for that. That is really, really, really rare. Exactly. Exactly. There is a, a book coming out called Iron Widow. It's a young adult fiction book. And you know how in YA fiction, they always have the love, not triangle, because it's not, it's not a triangle. It's like a chevron where the woman is shoved in the corner and she has to pick between the bad boy or her childhood best friend. And it's always that trope of like the woman being backed into a corner and having to pick between two men. This author just decided, no, they're a throuple. Everyone's dating everyone. It's fine. I refuse to have another freaking corner relationship in a YA fiction. And so... I think I'm seeing more examples of this in the media now, but the fact that it happened in the 60s, that's really cool. I really like yes. that. Yes. Katie, what did you like about Modesty Blaze and when are you going to buy the first book? I'm going to do that immediately after this podcast, clearly. It's hard to say what I liked the most because I like so many aspects of it. Yes. I love a strong, independent woman. I love a relationship between a man and a woman that is entirely platonic. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of having these very feminist and modern values in a book. I just really appreciate that. I love the sex positivity. I love the consent culture. Like I'm all about that. I think one of the things that a lot of my friends have realized when they suggest a piece of media to me, if it doesn't kind of meet those values, I'm not that interested in it. And so the yes. fact that this has that, I'm, I'm very interested. I'm very, very interested. So this is not a question for the podcast listeners. I mean, I'm sure you guys also want to hear this, but I want to know, what is the first book called? Where can I get it? What do I need to go to learn more about Modesty Blaze? So this is a kind of a good news, bad news situation. Okay. The good news is that the books and the comic strips are still in print and you can yes. buy them online. The first book is called Modesty Blaze. Highly recommended. Read all of them. They're all equally amazing. The bad news is that there are no eBooks and no audiobooks. So you'll have to get them on good old fashioned dead trees. <laughs> there are also movies uh, like your mom mentioned and your mom apparently saw one of them that's also a good news bad news situation because there were three movies made one in 66 one in 82 and one in 2003 uh the 2000 so yeah, yeah, yeah. i hear about that one i was alive for that one i'll tell you why i didn't because they suck <laughs> 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 they are each in their own way shockingly bad the 2003 one even stars Nikolai Kostovaldau, a Danish actor, uh, the guy who played Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones. Yeah. And, and he's a great actor. I haven't seen the movie. I've seen a few clips on YouTube. It is so bad. The first one, the 66 one, stars Monica Vitti, an Italian actress who actually did not speak English. So she had to learn all of her uh, lines phonetically. Oh, God, no. And it gets worse. It gets worse. In the books, Modesty and Willie never have anything romantic going on. The movie ends with, of all things, a musical number where they declare their love for each uh, other. <laughs> uh, bleh, bleh. Uh, 
And there is one more reason why I, t- I raised this entire topic of Monster Blaze is that I want a TV show. I want Ooh. a good, high value, high production Monster yeah. Blaze TV series. Hey, hey and- Netflix! I know you're listening because clearly you're listening. Netflix, what's up? What's up, Netflix? Exactly, <laughs> Netflix. We need to talk. Make this happen. Quentin Tarantino is a fan. I'm sure you could get him on board in some capacity. He's talked about wanting to make a, a Modesty Blaze movie. But I think a TV show would be way better. The stories basically write themselves. Uh, they would be super exciting. You could capitalize on 60s nostalgia. There could be boobs, but they would be relevant consensual boobs. Because consensual uh, boobs are the best boobs. Exactly. Unlike Game of Thrones, which had the other kind of boobs uh, that were exploitative no. and, and non-consensual. Yes. And it would be super woke. You have this strong female lead. You have a man who follows. You have... Uh, you know, interracial love affairs, it would piss off all of the anti-woke uh, men's rights activists Let's and tell me that wouldn't be worth it. Oh, and yeah, the insult, baby. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Let's the conservatives with some excellent sex positivity. Yes, so Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime, I know you're out there. <laughs> Listeners, if you know anybody who works at like HBO or whatever, please make this happen. This is my dream. <laughs> this would be so amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, dear listener, what did you think about Modesty Blaze? Have you ordered one of the books yet? If not, why not? And what more can I do to convince you to pick one of them up and read it? Do you have any questions or did we leave out something awesome about Modesty and her world? Go to our website or Instagram at Electric Enthusiasm and leave a comment. We are getting extraordinarily meta in our moment of meta because we've named our delightful little foray into the world of podcasts, Electric Enthusiasm. Which is the awesome name that you came up with. Thank you very much. I remember after our conversation with Jonathan Stout, I was absolutely buzzing. I truly felt that electricity that we've named this podcast for. However, this is not the only thing named Electric Enthusiasm. So I've just sent you some photos. Can you have a look at them and describe for me what you are seeing? Uh, is that some sort of sex doll or <laughs> what? I think this, this is delightful. You clearly don't know what a sex doll looks like. <laughs> Can you describe for me? What is she wearing? What is her hair? What is her okay, makeup? Okay, so we have a kind of a Barbie doll situation going on. It's, it's hard to estimate how big uh, it is. Super skinny. Um, very fashionable, long blonde hair, good makeup, kind of like a business look. There's an attache case. There's a dress that could easily be worn in the office. Very stylish, very fashionable. That's what I'm seeing. So this is Dominique Makeda, the dress doll. And her title, I, I, like, I don't, okay, her name is clearly Dominique, but her, the name that you get on the box with her is Electric enthusiasm. Ooh. I found out most of this information from a blog post from June 28, 2015. There is a brand of toys called Integrity Toys mm-hmm. that do a line of fashion dolls called the New Face Trademark Collection. That's NU full stop face trademark. Mm-hmm. Um, and each year they release a line of dolls that are all like fashion dolls, essentially. And so we share the name with a fashion doll from 2015. 
<laughs> Any chance we can write them and find out why they tagged that doll electric enthusiasm? We I should mean, find out, right? We should definitely. I'm, I'm down to contact them and find out. I'm super curious. Get so on it, Katie. Bit, a little bit of background <laughs> about Integrity Toys from their website. It was founded in 1995 by Percy Newsom. Integrity Toys is a family-owned business. This is why I think we can contact them. It's apparently a family-owned business. It's, it's not like small. Mattel or something. No, exactly. Um, and they're based in Cheapskate. Cheap speech. No, it's based Cheap in Maryland. <laughs> Maryland. <laughs> I'm not even. They they oh, started oh, sorry, the company. It's Chesapeake City. Chesapeake. There Chesapeake. we go. Thank you. Chesapeake Cheap, City, Cheap Maryland. State. You know how you know how like some people are very American centric. I'm yeah. not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chesapeake. That's how you spell Chesapeake. Oh, Chesapeake. I learned something new today. There you go. Um. Anyway, with the absolute lack of diversity in the doll industry at the time, Percy's dream was to build a company that would display a balance, showing respect and appreciation to all cultures. Da, 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 da. It's all about showing a different bunch of ethnicities and socioeconomic backgrounds. That was the original goal in 95 for this company. However, wow. No. <laughs> Today, okay. okay. <laughs> they now exclusively specialize in collector's items. Our namesake doll, Miss Dominique Electric Enthusiasm, uh, had a limited run of only 600 dolls. And originally sold for $135, not including shipping. <laughs> what? How, how many did you buy? <laughs> I did find one. <laughs> I found one on sale. If you want to, we could buy one. There's one on eBay from South Korea, and she's selling for $250, US not including shipping. I, I, I suggest we don't. I've... Uh, <laughs> I, you Why? don't want to collect your doll? I don't know. Why? Uh, I think I think that the next obvious solution for us is to find somebody who collects fashion dolls yes. and have them explain this enthusiasm to us. Yes. Ideally, I want someone who owns this doll to come on this <laughs> podcast and talk to me about it. <laughs> that would be amazing. We need we yeah. absolutely need to do that. Yeah. I think that's that's our new white whale of a guest is to find somebody who owns electric enthusiasm to come on this podcast and talk enthusiastically about electric enthusiasm. Beautiful. The metaness. <laughs> it was really interesting to me because I had actually heard the name Integrity Dolls before, and it took me freaking ages to figure out why that name rang a bell to me. Uh -huh. So for any super fans of RuPaul's Drag Race out there, Integrity Dolls is the company which makes the RuPaul dolls. So RuPaul has, is a drag queen. I, I don't know how much you know about RuPaul. But they have three dolls, all designed by Jason Wu for Integrity Toys. And the reason I know about them is because I follow a different drag queen called Trixie Mattel, who is a doll collector who has a RuPaul doll. And she talked about her RuPaul doll on her YouTube channel, which is why I knew of Integrity Toys. It's a weird little um, circle I found myself in here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Dolls all around. Yeah. And so, dear listeners, if you are wondering if there's any connection between this Electric Enthusiastic podcast and the fashion doll Dominique Makeda from Integrity Toys, no. The answer is well, no. Well, the, uh, technically, the answer is not yet. Ooh, touche, touche. 
And that is your moment of meta, in which I got externally meta about our name. Because after we picked the name, I Googled it, and then I was like, oh, okay. New goal is to get our SEO higher than this blog post. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Love it. We hope you enjoyed sharing some of our enthusiasms in this episode. Please visit our website, electricenthusiasm.com, or find us on Instagram, at electricenthusiasm, to discover more episodes or to leave a comment. Now go out and find yourself some consensual boobs, because consensual boobs are the best boobs. (laughs)